Hey everyone, Justin here with HuntLink Bass Service Side. I am joined on the Mike Bass special guest today, Nick DeCastro from Land Trust. What's going on, Nick? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. I am doing good. I appreciate you jumping on. We are super excited to hear more about Land Trust. We've been telling our members about you guys and uh, you know the future partnership we're working on here and uh, it's you know it's a new concept as we were talking before we started recording here and uh, we would love to um, you know get to know y'all as a whole um, as a company get to know you and uh, uh, you know give everyone a good overview of what land trust is about but I guess Nick you know kind of what we do here is in the beginning we just a little icebreaker here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started out into hunting. Yeah, sure. Well, again, Justin, appreciate you having me on the podcast here. So uh, how I got into hunting, I think uh, the first hunting trip I can remember going on, I think it was about three. Uh, I grew up in Southern California. Yes, you can hunt in Southern California. <laughs> At least you could when I grew up there. Uh, certainly it's become much more difficult over the last 15, 20 years, but uh, we used to hunt doves down in the kind of by what's called the Salton Sea, down close to the Mexican border, and it gets about to 115 degrees during the day. And I remember going dove hunting with my dad, and that was his bird dog for for dove hunting, and uh, it was about 115 degrees. So I started young hunting, fishing, uh, spear fishing out in the ocean. I've just loved it ever since. I grew up, you know, pretty new to big game hunting. Uh, I grew up bird hunting primarily, so. We grew up hunting quail in the deserts in Southern California and chucker and whatnot. So uh, yeah, I started big game hunting 2015 or so. Uh, first, when I was living in Colorado, my first big game animal was an antelope doe. And, uh, you know, I've done a little bit since then. But, yeah, I've been hunting basically since I could pretty much walk and talk. Awesome, man. And I mean, do you find now that you've kind of dabbled into big game, uh, you know, especially, I'm, you know, just like our type of work, you know, you, I'm sure you get yeah. opportunities presented to you. And, um, would you say you enjoy the bird hunting more or the, or the big game? Oh, that's a tough one. I think, uh, <laughs> it, it's different applications, right? So I, I have three little kids as we were chatting before. I have, I have three young daughters all under the age of four. So I don't really get to hunt very much at this point. Uh, I hunted three days last year, I think, or maybe four. Their big game hunting is, uh, a ton of fun elk hunting up here is fantastic and uh i really enjoy it bird hunting i think will always have a place in my heart because it's what i grew up doing and it's a bit more social it's a bit more you know you're not gonna i don't know you can talk a lot more i love duck hunting i got a black lab in the office who so i'm sure you'll go barking in the background at some point but uh you know bird hunting with friends is really fun because it is a bit more social and you get a more, bit more time there and like taking little kids. I think it's a bit easier. Um, big game hunting is a great personal challenge. Uh, so th they're just different applications. I love them both. Um, I just recently got into bird hunting and I definitely get that, uh, a little bit more camaraderie you can do. I mean, you know, big game hunt camps and stuff are fun, especially if you backpack and it's just mm -hmm. even, even with the scent control, like it was so nice waking up, cooking breakfast and just like leave it you know to yeah, bird hunt yeah, it's, you know it's a lot more a lot more relaxed and it, it, when you get into dogs i mean most bird hunters who've done it for a long time we do it for the dogs i mean watching the dogs do the thing that they were bred to do and and just 
that is the most rewarding part of it. If you have good bird dogs, we grew up with Brittany Spaniels, but um, watching them, like I said, do the thing they're bred to do is what makes it so much fun. So as, we, as you get in, if you, if you fall down that rabbit hole, uh, I think that's where a lot of the enjoyment comes from. Yeah, and I know we were we were definitely talking. You're about to start dabbling into another form of hunting, uh, which is that in between big game and and uh, bird hunting. But you know, getting into turkey. So, um, you know, that's one of the things. Also, just like with with dog and bird hunting, is you know, it's one of those things where you kind of, in my opinion, you either do it or you're just you know, you always hold it close to your heart. It's it's I don't I don't see a lot of people that are like, well, I kind of like it, I kind of don't. It's always like I'm a, either a diehard turkey hunter or i like to go turkey hunting from time to time so you'll get to find yeah. out soon what uh which one you are for sure um so nick we'll jump right into it here um tell us a little bit about um land trust you know what is it how did it come to be um and uh kind of a little detail on that sure so land trust we're uh we consider ourselves part of the part of the sharing economy so you can think of uh, there are home sharing companies like Airbnb or VRBO. There are car sharing companies like Turo. And then we consider ourselves a land sharing company. So landowners who, you know, they own land. Most of our million plus acres are, you know, working farms and ranches. So these are production agriculture landowners. They own this amazing asset that, as we all know, being hunters and fishermen, we'd love to have access to. And so we facilitate a marketplace for that. Um, where a landowner can list their property and they can say, hey, you know, we've got turkeys, like we were just talking about, um, and we'd be happy to have, you know, some hunters come out for a few hunts a year in the spring. And, you know, it's three-day hunts to do it yourself. we got a little bunkhouse you can stay in and, you know, whatever, it's 500 bucks a guy for that or whatever the price is. So if anyone listening has ever used Airbnb or VRBO or these other platforms, it, land trust will look and feel very familiar and you know what we what we want to do is create a lot more access now of course you're paying for the opportunity access is a word that often just gets associated with free free is a type of access but this gets a lot more access on private lands for uh, sportsmen to get out and do the things that they love and they get to support the farm and ranch that they're you know hunting and fishing on or, or other things um, through the process now, how did you, I mean, as far as like, um, you know, and, and that's kind of how I've heard it referred to as like the, you know, quote unquote Airbnb of hunting, um, sure. you know, so I definitely, that's a good way uh, to put into perspective of what it's about. But when you guys do this, I mean, are you, are you kind of like door knocking? Or are you just reaching out kind of word of mouth or through customers? How do you kind of acquire or I guess um, go about strategically of, of getting these lands? Yeah, it's a good question. So in the beginning, I mean, shoot, uh, yeah, it was, it started with me door knocking um, and just trying to figure it out. Look, you know, you've built a business. For entrepreneurs, our whole job is to identify a problem and try to reverse engineer it and figure out a solution for it. And so uh, it started out like that. And uh, we were in, you know, hunt forums and craigslist and door knocking and all that kind of stuff right just trying to figure out where people are currently and transacting because i think it's important to call out we didn't invent anything new here per se um 
as you know, I mean, shoot in the hunt forums or in Craigslist right. or in Facebook marketplace, like people have been doing these transactions all over the place for a long time. And people have been door knocking and paying trespass fees for a long time. We're just putting a platform to make all that process simpler, safer, um, and more accessible. So yeah, when it first started, it was going to where all these transactions were trying to take place and then bringing some people onto the platform who wanted to give it a try and then growing it from there. So today, we have, you know, we have digital marketing team. We work with partners uh, who have big presences in the agricultural landscape. So a company called Farm Journal is a partner of ours. They help bring us to market. So we primarily focus on farmers and ranchers. Now, we do have other people who just own, you know, rural land that participate, and that's great. We love them. But we we spend our time and effort working with working farms and ranches. And from what I understand, you guys have a pretty you keep pretty close relationships with your um, with your landowners, correct? Yes, that's correct. So, you know, I, I'm sure you know. You said you grew up on a ranch, and I'm sure a lot of the folks who listen to this have uh, either grown up in these communities or know farmers and ranchers. These are um, hardworking people uh, who do a, an incredibly important job, which is growing our food. And, you know, they're busy. And so we understand that. And we hire what we call landowner success managers who live, you know, we hire them from the communities that they work in. But essentially what they do is they go and they meet with the landowners. They, you know, if they're interested, they'll go and take photos of the property. They'll, you know, basically do everything for them to get them up and running with a listing on land trust. And then it's their job as their job and their job title insinuates to make them successful. Our landowners are our business partners. They are not our customers. So we don't charge them anything to come onto a, onto Lanchess platform. Oh, okay. We simply take a commission when transactions happen. So when a booking happens, we, you know, we take a commission off of that. Right. And right. yeah. So, you know, it's very different too. Uh, in, in the agricultural space, everyone knocking on a landowner's door, a farmer or rancher's door is either asking them for money or control of their property in some way, shape, or form. And so we do neither of those things. We don't ask them for money. We bring a revenue opportunity, and we keep them 100% in control. And I think that's a big reason why we have grown to where we've grown today. Oh, for sure. I mean, we have a very – obviously, this is uh, you know apples to oranges here, but we have a very similar company here at ServiceSide with our members. I mean, we're not reinventing yeah. the wheel um, you know, we just perfected, you know, uh, getting people together and providing them with as many yep. resources as possible. I mean, you could do a lot of, of this stuff and people do do it often um, on their own. But the, for the majority of the masses, um, you know, that misinformation and that, you know, just basic. I mean, we had something not too long ago, how to present yourself when you knock on a door, like don't show up with yeah. your gun and camo and be like, Hey, can I kill stuff nope. on your land? You know, like, you know, cause you wouldn't believe, you know, it's, it's always the, the small things that matter the most. Um, you know, and, and, you know, people are going to tell you no, but you only need to be told once. Yes. And, yep. and I think that deters a lot of people. So I'm glad you guys perfected it. And what's awesome about it, it sounds to me is not only are you given, especially in the way we are nowadays with kind of the way the uh, world is, you know, that extra source of, of revenue is, is really great just because we know property taxes are higher. Uh, that was something we had discussed before um, we jumped mm -hmm. on here and um, that's able to at least kind of 
give everyone some breathing room because ranchers and farmers and a lot of these people that own this land, um, yeah, they have a great asset and, you know, as far as, you know, monetary value, but, um, that's something where if taxes keep going up and stuff, you, you see it every day. I mean, people get bought out. Um, they're building 400,000 new homes on the ranches that were bought near us. And that's great. I love that there is growth, um, which have to have that balance of, well, you know, if, if so-and-so could have got another 10, even another 10 years, to have this land and and continue to work it before you retired or moved to, you know, South Florida or whatever, Um, you know, it it just gives people a little more opportunity. So I do love that. And, you know, at the end of the day, free is okay, but it doesn't always have much value. And, you know, that booking fee with you guys doing that homework, creating those relationships, um, that definitely seems worth it. And in my opinion, same as with us, with the membership fee, um, you know, someone's kind of doing the legwork for you, but in a, in a better way, like they're the ones showing up and, yep. and doing the networking and, and what have you. But, um, yeah, I think that's one of, you know, it's a good point you brought up, which is, look, there are certainly a contingent of sportsmen who do not like us. So, I mean, we acknowledge that that's, that is the way of the world, by the way, you know, companies like ours, they call them disruptive because they disrupt the way things have been done. Um, and so, Hey, that's just the name of the game. Yeah. But <laughs> what, what I, yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest misnomers and you see it a lot in Facebook comments and whatnot, like all oh, these rich landowners and well, yes, they are land rich, but I mean, many of them are cash poor. Yeah. This is if they sold their land, like whoever sold the land and developed 400,000 houses, like they're now they're rich. Now they're cash rich. Right. Um, and, and I think one of the things that is just, uh, we as sportsmen should all want is we want to see multi-generation farm and ranch families stay in control of the land that they've been on for generations, because to them, that land is not just viewed as a simple real estate asset. They have deeper ties to it. And, you know, I've had many conversations with some of our landowners who say, we'll never sell as long as we can afford to pay taxes and make it, eke it out. Like we're not going to sell. And, you know, if we love to hunt fish and, you know, enjoy the outdoors, you want that type of landowner to own the land because the moment that they sell that lineage is cut and now it's just a real estate asset. And, you know, maybe it's not this time, but the next time it turns over, you know, turn, changes hands, it's going to be a subdivision. And right. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a subdivision turn back into habitat uh, for wildlife. No, no, for sure. I mean, that's a, that's a great point. And, and once it's done, it's done. And, and I mean, it's happening here in Florida, uh, you know, often people don't realize we talked about this earlier, you know, it's the only big cities you have are along the edges. So on the coast, you don't have any large cities at all. Even Orlando's very close to the, um, to the coast. And, um, that would be one of your biggest middle, I guess, central cities. And one thing people don't realize is all, you know, I would say 75% or more is, is your, your orange groves, your strawberry fields, your um, big Oak flats. And they are, they're getting developed. I mean, my girlfriend, that's actually what she does. She works for a developing company. So I do get a lot of uh, inside, you know, connections with that and stuff. But um, it's one of the things where you wouldn't believe, I mean, when someone comes up and knocks on your door and says, Hey, I'll give you uh, $400 million for your property right now, cash, which happens yep. all the time. Um, you wouldn't believe it. It's like a movie, but they will show up yep. with suitcases of money and say, we want it right now as is sight unseen. Um, and they do it all the time when someone does that. And you've been, you know, like we mentioned, you know, being cash poor, you've been struggling every day, waking up at 4am for 
50 years, sunburnt, tired, and someone yep. offers you that type of money and you can live out the last 20, 30 years of your life on a beach somewhere, um, you know, it, it's hard not to say yes. So, I mean, it, it's sad that it's been pushed to that point, but at least people like y'all are starting to put the brake on it. That was actually, I didn't have this as a question, but I know we had a few times we had talked, we had heard about the quote unquote negative side of it. Um, I mean, I feel like, especially we had talked earlier, there's some properties where I'm friends with landowners, but they just don't want hunting there. They, they want, you know, you can bird watch, you can mushroom hunt, you can do things like that, yep. but they don't want firearms. And a lot of it stems from, at least from what I've heard from them, and it, and it could be misinformation or education, but um, is the, they're just scared something's going to happen. You know, someone's going to get hurt. Um, something's going to ricochet and, and hit something or, or what have yep. you, you know, maybe someone's under the influence and they just didn't notice, you know, anything could happen. Yep. We could sit here and make, you know, reasons all day, but, um, a lot of it's that, but you know, you guys kind of help with that cause you're putting it in a more of a business standpoint. Um, you know, being able to open up those lands cause you know, someone could talk crap on Facebook and say, Hey, you know, that's taken away from our opportunities. Well, how many times have you knocked on that person's door or how many times have you offered to help that farmer out of pocket to, you know, help him get his crop or help him yeah. get some free labor yeah. in exchange for a hunt? Um, nine times out of 10, most of the people haven't made that, that valiant effort, at least from what I noticed. Um, and then a lot of people have been told no once or twice and are like, oh, nobody wants to let me. Well, maybe that yeah. person had a bad experience. And, you know, I talked to a landowner that I got permission from and He's like, I'd go down there every day and there'd be a, a pile of beer cans and, and trash yeah. and this and that. And he's like, the cows aren't doing it. You know, like no <laughs> one else is down here. They, you know, there's no road access. So there's no way it's blowing up from the road. So, right. um, you know, how can you expect them to say yes when, when that's just happened and you're a stranger walking up to them? Yeah. So it's nice to hear you guys are, um, I know that was long winded, but it's nice to hear someone's trying to rekindle that relationship that private and, and the public have with each other well yeah and i was just I, I actually did a podcast right before this too with the uh national deer association guys who are awesome and we talked about this too which there's a few pieces in there that you touched on one is you know landowners who don't feel comfortable and don't allow access currently for hunting and land trust because it's a modern platform that has a lot of the transparency and trust and safety built into it now they feel comfortable doing that and they can say hey we don't allow guns but you can archery hunt here and then they do that for a while and they realize like okay the people the guests who come to us through land trust are responsible respectful people and we feel more and more comfortable we have 99 percent five-star ratings from our landowners to guests in the history of the company so like lifetime 99 percent. that is a market we don't obviously don't know what the uh the guest satisfaction or whatever rating was from landowners before us. But I think you and I as hunters know it probably wasn't 99% five stars. Right. Which I know. led to a lot of so. properties. Yeah. Which led to a lot of landowners saying, no, we're not doing this anymore because they did have bad experiences. I mean, we just now, seen recently, I'm sure you've seen that, that video that went viral about, you know, the guy running, you know, that farmer running over all those uh, decoys, you know, that snow oh, yeah, decoy. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can, we're not here to choose sides or, or whatever. There's a lot of details I've heard in the mix, but at the end of the day, like a landowner was not satisfied with a person using their property point blank. <laughs> Correct. Know, and then see. I think the other piece there that you, you touch on, which there is a lot of misunderstanding of 
what land trust is land trust just simply facilitates a marketplace so landowners directly participate and so do the guests whether they're hunters fishermen whatever whatever else and so we just facilitate the ability to connect directly with landowners we don't lease things you know and look there are a lot of different types of access from federal public lands which is pretty much anybody anytime for almost anything which is great Public lands are awesome. I think there's misunderstanding that like land trust doesn't like public. We love public lands. Great. That's awesome. We, you know, everyone here in our office hunts fishes and gets out on public land too. But then there is, you know, to the other end of the spectrum, which is what we facilitate, which is, you know, controlled private land access where you pay for the opportunity to do so. But compared to let's say traditional annual leases where a landowner is selling a property right for a period of time, usually a year, but sometimes it's multi-year. In that scenario, that property now, um, the one that they can't really use it, they can't let their friends, family, neighbors, business partners, local kids or whatever use it, right? Because they sold that property, right? Um, and two, that has limited the access there. So with land trust, now landowner remains 100% control. They can you know, block out dates for their friends or family themselves. Uh, you know, you can block out whole seasons if they're like, hey, we like hunting deer, but we don't care about turkeys or ducks or whatever else it might be. They can still let their, uh, you know, friends and family and neighbors use it if they'd like to. They can still let door knockers use it. If, you know, some guy with his, you know, daughter who's first year hunting knocks on the door, they can say, yes, you can go do that. Whereas with traditional annual leases, they couldn't do that. So, you know, again, there's a lot of misunderstanding about who and what land trust is. Um, that hopefully, you know, being able to have a platform like yours and getting out there and just letting people know what we do can, you know, clear some of that up. Well, you know, sometimes I feel like, and, and obviously this isn't a, you know, it's a lot of gray area, but, you know, when it comes to the um, misunderstanding, I think a lot of it is too, it's, it's not a lot of things you can really compare it to, you know, like we had mentioned the... Mm -hmm. You know, okay, yeah, it's Airbnb of hunting, but like really, I mean, that's that's an expression. That's you know something we all made up. You know, like that's yeah. not, you know, a real uh, good way to put things into perspective. I mean, we run into this problem all the time. Like, what do you mean I have to pay to be a part of this? Well, you know, it's just not a lot of value and free. And you know, we do no. make sure that that you are taken care of. Customer service is top of mind. You're not just a dollar sign. You're an actual person. I could tell you the life story of all thousand members we have in our club. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where we make it a point to yes we're large but that's something that took a decade to get to that wasn't yeah we yeah. opened up the gates and got a thousand people to give us money that's <laughs> that, that never happened right um you right. know so i do like that you guys are, are making that valiant effort and um it seems to be going pretty well i i don't know if it's the algorithm or what but um you guys have definitely been blowing up my feed of late yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into, you know, the digital marketing side for um, reaching sportsmen and letting them know what we do and what the opportunity is. Um, so, you know, our, our team is doing a pretty good job at that. I think, you know, one last point on your what you what we were talking about right before this. Look, door knocking is awesome. You were telling me you've got some farmers that you put some sweat equity in. That's all great. That's fantastic. I think those relationships are. I think they're, they're becoming less and less um, available and not because land trust, by the way, we're a little company. We didn't, you know, we haven't changed the landscape of hunting. Some people think we have, but we're still very small. Um, there's a lot of reasons why those relationships are becoming fewer and far between. One, liability and the, the worry that you're gonna get sued. 
I think has been, we've heard from landowners has loomed large, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s. I don't think that was such a scare for landowners is this, you know, are, am I going to get sued if something happens? Two, I think there's just a, a lot of people who are doing it now in places that they weren't before. But I also, you know, it's important to think about that non-resident hunter. So we have people who, you know, from Missouri, who come up to hunt turkeys in eastern Montana. They don't have the opportunity to go knock on a landowner's door and say, hey, let me build fence for you. Or what do you need help with? That's really something that locals can only do because they live there. Right. So, you know, whether... I think it's either, you know, positive or negative, but that means that people can't go have experiences in other places on private land in any sort of predictable way without something like land trust, because there's just simply no way to connect with those landers and no way to like, you know, I'll, I'll put that sweat equity in with you because they live in Missouri. These people live in Montana. It's just impossibility. Right. No, for sure. I mean, it's definitely such a small percentage of people that would have that, um, that opportunity and, and it would either be a local or someone that's met someone through someone type of thing, which it's so, so small. The probability of that is, is just, it's just right. so small. But, um, so as far as, I mean, you guys, like, what would you say, I guess, is the plan and path moving forward? So I know you guys aren't just hunting related from what right. I've experienced. Do you do fishing or like, I don't yep. know, like maybe if someone wants to train their dogs, I mean, that's just a crazy example, but. Yeah. Oh, it's a good question. So yes. Uh, you know, Land Trust is an outdoor recreation company. Of course, hunting has been the primary activity that we have focused on, but we have absolutely facilitated bookings for fishing, for foraging, for, you know, up here, uh, morel mushrooms in Montana are a big thing. So we've had people who book properties to go forage morels, which it's, that season's about to kick off here. Um, uh, shed hunting. Uh, we have farm and ranch activities. We've had people book stuff to go to watch ranchers calve cows, you know, um, brandings. Uh, we have regenerative ranch tours. I think the RV space is going to be pretty big for us. So there's a lot of different opportunities. You know, we are a private lands company. We facilitate outdoor recreation on private lands. And so that looks different in different parts of the country. So, you know, we're starting to move into more of the upper Midwest places like uh, North Dakota and Minnesota. And people are like, Ooh, we could use this for snowmobiling. So I think regionally you're going to see different flavors of outdoor rec that are popular. Uh, as we were talking before, hunting, and especially like, I'm very excited to get into states with hog hunting, but hunting is an activity that we do outside, but fishing, foraging, camping, RVs, like all these other things are things that we will help landowners facilitate on their land and help open up access to private land for the people who love those activities. Nice. That's, that's great. You know, and, and that's one thing I was thinking of. I was like, you know, you know how many times, like, like my family has some land in Virginia and you know, when mm-hmm. we get married, that's the first thing, you know, my girlfriend had said to me was like, Hey, I want to, you know, do it at that field right there. And I'm sitting here like, you know, it could be an opportunity for, you know, events or, or all, you know, even yep. if we wanted to totally. maybe rent and do like a, I don't know, an upland game hunt, you can almost do also like a, an event slash hunt. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's plenty of opportunity, and for the for the folks out there, obviously your listenership is uh, hunting focused. But the matter of fact is, a lot of us love to do other stuff outdoors. If you go on landshares.com and you find a property and you're like, "Ooh, I wonder if they'd let me train my bird dogs out there," make an inquiry. You know, that's that's the beauty of Landtrust. You can directly connect with landowners. Now, uh, 
you know, let's make sure it's within the realm of reasonable possibility, but something, you know, I know a lot of our landers, if you wanted to train bird dogs on the off season, I'm sure they'd be happy to, to host. So, you know, feel free to make the inquiry. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, I love that it's not just a one size fits all. And, and, and that's a great thing about that because, you know, we have a lot of people that do like hunting, but you know, we're at that time now where hunting is, is, is slimming down at least until we get that summer yep. urge to, to get back out there. But you know, then fishing will obviously become a thing. And I know I've been personally been to a lot of places throughout the country where I'm like, you almost feel like you're the first person to ever be there just because, you know, maybe the landowner, you know, only allows you permission or a friend or a family yep. member and um you know i know a ton of places where I, they're like you know no one's been on this property for 30 years and i'm sitting there like how can that even be you know it's it's almost like a 200 inch public land deer you know people are like you know when it happens you're like immediately your your mind starts racing high fence or or you know food plot or you know whatever in and you're sitting sure. there in reality like, no, there there are, you know, don't just because you don't see it every day on Facebook or it's not a TikTok doesn't mean that the opportunities aren't there for, you know, these these type of hunting opportunities, you know, land opportunities. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, I think it's an important thing to call out. A lot of our landowners had not allowed access other than, you know, family or friends for a long time. And going back to earlier in the conversation, they had bad experiences in the past. And so a lot of the places that you're going to find on land trust. Uh, have been those places that, yeah, no one's been out here for 30 years other than, you know, maybe our friends and our family. And so, you know, because of the model itself and the transparency and the trust and safety, now these places are open. And I think it's important, you, you mentioned the 200-inch deer. I often say this. We serve sportsmen and guests who are looking for us two main types of experiences. So if you need to get if you need to kill yourself with a 200 inch deer, we encourage you to hire an outfitter or, you know, go with a guide or an outfitter. If that's yeah. like, if that's your measure of success, which we're not saying is, I mean, that's awesome. I want to kill a 200 inch deer too. But, and we certainly do have properties where that could happen, but it's really more of the mindset. If it's something that like, you're going to be unhappy if that doesn't happen, you shouldn't use land trust. Right. Right. Here's no, the, I mean, the I, folks I, I that we that. serve. Yeah, the, the folks that we serve, and by the way, outfitters and guides are great. They they serve their service providers. Of course, there are good and bad ones, just like anything else. But the, here are the two types of trips that we find people use land trust for and really love it. One, we call the hunting vacation. So this is, hey, I want to go somewhere new with my friends or my family to have some new experiences and create some lasting memories around hunting. So this is stuff that we all do, and it's probably existed since the beginning of time. Um, and, and really, it's the experience that, you know, being in a new place with your friends and your family around this hunting activity brings. I don't know about you, but some of my most memorable hunts, we've never killed anything. Yeah, for Just sure. Just because the people you're with, the places that you're in, the experiences, the conversations, all that stuff, right? So that is, is one type. And then the other is kind of why I originally started the company, which is the local spot. And... You know, we were joking around before the call. Like, again, I have three daughters under the age of four. So, and I run a business. So I don't really get to hunt ever at this point. I hunted like three or four days this last season. Um, and when I do get a morning or whatever, an afternoon off in season, I just want to go to a place where I know I'm going to be the only person there. It has you know nothing to do with like, oh, this is the most game rich place or, you know, there's that 200 inch deer. Right. What? Basically, the outdoors for me today is a reprieve. 
you know, I'm not in the, I'm not in the fortunate part of my life where I get to go hunt 20, 40, 60, 80 days a year. I'm genuinely envious of anybody who does. So today I place just a premium on being able to get outdoors and disconnect. And so I'm willing to pay for the opportunity to not show up to a trailhead that has 50 trucks or, you know, cause that's just, it ruins the entire point of me being out there, which is to be relaxed and to enjoy the, enjoy the outdoors. And, you know, so that, that's the other piece. It's like, Hey, it's a place that's close to home where I can book. I know I'm going to be the only person out there and I can have it to myself for the morning, the day, the weekend, whatever. Right. For sure. No, I mean, that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, that's actually something we focus on and, and something we've actually put a lot of um, effort in for education this year on our part was because setting that expectation and I'm not going to say like you kind of mentioned, like there's no like right or wrong way. Like it's not no, like, oh, not if you all. don't go out and enjoy the experience in the pouring down rain and freezing your butt off and not killing anything like then you, you don't know what hunting's about. Like, it's definitely not that, um, you know, so I get what you're saying and we're the same way. I told you I had two guys down here. I host two hunt links every year on public land. I set that expectation. I say, Hey guys, normally we do well. Normally we see birds, you yep. get action, you get to see a gator, you get to catch a fish, you get to get a suntan. Like I give them that whole expectation, um, yep. all around, but I also tell them, Sometimes we don't see a bird. Sometimes we don't hear a bird. Sometimes yep. you will eat tag soup. Um, if that's okay yep. with you, come on down. There's your room, fresh towels in the in the in the bathroom, etc. Yep. Um, but if it's not for you, that's cool too. You know, maybe try a different route, or maybe we can help find you a different route. But we're the same way. If it, it's got to be about that experience, and there are plenty of people, me included, and it sounds like you included. Um, we're not just you know people that are running these types of, of programs or, or, uh, resources, you know, we actually are customers slash participants ourselves. You know, I, I was telling you when you came down, like when I do a hunt link, I don't do anything work related. I enjoy yep. the person I'm with. I usually, I cut my phone off a lot of the times and I'll keep the satellite phone on in case there's an emergency at home. But, um, yeah, it's, it's about that experience and getting out and, you know, I, I went to public land a lot last week and uh, we had two birds shot in front of us pretty much. Awesome. And um, it it was, uh, we had two birds shot in front of us in a, in a bad way, like someone on public oh, land oh. got to him before us. But we, we ended up having that opportunity to go to private land and we were able to get it done. We could have still got it done on public, but we just had more obstacles we had to deal with. And finally I was like, yep. hey man you want to just go to a place I got permission at and, and we'll just give it a try and we can relax and these birds ain't been called to. And, you know, I was, I always save that for the last spot, uh, the last day, because, you know, I want people to enjoy that public land experience, but you know, private has its, its perks also. And it was just so nice to sit at a tree and, you know, we, we ate lunch there and like, you know, just watch the it's field. It's a lot lower and pressure. It was, it was it's a lot lower pressure yeah. in many different ways. It, it, it's a really good point. Look, as we said, I want to be very clear. We love public land at Land Trust. So it, there's it, it, Facebook is a cesspool, obviously, and uh, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there, and they make a lot of accusations out of thin air. We're like, where did this even come from? Land Trust, everyone who works here, public land is awesome, and it's an amazing resource that we have and get to enjoy. But private land is awesome too. And it's 70% of the lower 48 in most of the country. And most licensed hunters live in states with very little public land. And so in order to open up more and more opportunity to folks, you have to figure out a model that works for private landowners. And, 
you know, your point there, uh, private land offers a really great opportunity to bring new hunters or hunters who are figuring it out into this community. And, you know, public land is a very um, scary thing for a newbie, right? If you're 20 in your twenties or thirties and you know, you're just starting to learn, you want to, you want to get out and start hunting, you know, carrying a deadly weapon out on the public land where other people, people are carrying deadly weapons and doing something, right. you know, you don't know anything about is, is an incredible barrier to try and get over. And, you know, it's good to have some success really quickly for people who are trying this thing for the first time. You know, if you go out your first 10 hunts and uh, you, you go to public and there's, you know, 10 people every time and that's going to be pretty demoralizing. You probably won't stick with it. Right. Uh, I know that there's some people in the hunting community that say that's a win. I don't think that's a win. Um, but, you know, private land offers that opportunity to learn where it's not this high stakes, high pressure chess game that public land hunting can be. You know, for the experienced hunter, a lot of guys at a, who've done this for a long time take pleasure in like being able to win that chess game of public land hunting. But for a newbie, that's not fun. Uh, it's, and it's not something that's going to lead to uh, them being engaged in this activity for very long. Yeah, and it, I mean it's not a it's not a win, and you know I, I don't even sugarcoat it when it comes to that. I mean those are the people that. You know, for one, we don't we won't allow in our club, and um, you know, just because of our exclusivity, you know, with the sport. But you know, those are people that I, you know, that do give us a bad name, and I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I'll call a spade a spade. Yeah. I mean, if you have that type of mindset, one, they nine times out of ten they've been burned. They just get tired of it, like me. I could have easily threw up my hands after two birds. One of them got shot from the road. You know, I went over yep. to say something to the guy, and he spun off. So, you know, it, we have like dirt back roads, kind of. So it, yeah. it wasn't like a you. Know, know main road but it was still from the road and you know it does get it does get frustrating and stuff from time to time and, and you have your people that love that chess mask but at the end of the day it's a win for conservation because you know it, it, if you don't if you have that mindset of well that's one less hunter that's one person after worry about well in in our state it actually is a negative because the game need to be pushed around like when you hunt public that's land right. they need to be pushed around i've hunted here for 10 years and I grew up in Western Virginia where it didn't matter as much. You could do pinch points and, and food sources and mm -hmm. water. You know, we, we there's food and water sources every five feet. So there's no way you can pattern animals that way. The way you pattern them is it's a lot of the time it's people traffic. They push them around. They keep them off the roads. You know, they push them into thicker areas, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing I've noticed is, um, you know, when you get someone that's in their 20s, 30s, whatever age they get into hunting, we, we take for granted growing up hunting i yes. believe a lot of people take that for granted yes. and they think well you know they should know how to handle a gun or they should know and i'm like but think about it when you were growing up your hunts were busted up a few times you know you had yeah. dad or grandpa telling you to stop they don't have that they don't have anyone right. in their ear saying hey if i you step on a stick one more time i'm gonna whoop your butt you know like i used to get yeah. that all the time yeah, from oh, my yeah. grandpa and um, I learned to be quiet. And then when I take friends that are in their 20s, early 30s, they're like, I look they back at around. them and I'm like, what yeah. are you doing, man? They're like, I'm just walking. I'm like, well, hey, you know, think about if someone walked into your bedroom at 3 o'clock in the morning and you heard that. Like, that's, that's the right. like, same thing. And um, the win for conservation, I believe, is getting those people to be successful and getting in because then they're able to continue to make, you know, some states do fairly well with their game laws. Others don't. Um, but – 
at the end of the day, it's, it's going to help a lot more than the less amount because what's going to happen is you have those less amount numbers and people can say all day. I see it because of Facebook and TikTok and YouTube. Oh, yeah. People are like, oh, there's yeah. so many hunters out there and there ain't no game and this place is hunted out. And I'm like, man, there are less hunters than there ever has been because you don't need to hunt to survive. Now, you can go eat McDonald's every single day if you want and never cook or, or go to the store. Um, they didn't have that. My dad actually wasn't into hunting. Um, he was forced to hunt um, because that's the lifestyle they lived. It was you didn't come home after school unless you at least brought home some squirrels or rabbits or, um, you know, things like that. And, and they grew up, you know, back in the mountains. Um and he didn't enjoy hunting. He he told me as an adult he did not enjoy hunting. He didn't like killing animals. Um, he was more of a forager than anything, um, camping, things like that. But he didn't like killing yeah. animals. And he was forced to because that was a lifestyle they had. No one has that lifestyle now. Well, mo there's no. probably a small percentage. Yeah, mo most of us don't. Most yeah, of us don't have that lifestyle. And, um, you know, you, you don't want to put be that negative person that's like, oh, well, that's, that's awful. Because, I mean, you guys are doing it. Uh, a huge service to conservation in the aspect of a lot of this land now gets to um, give people that opportunity to continue to buy license and these people still have to buy their licenses and stuff correct like when they come to these places of course so yeah that's one of there's a there's a few funny things in there um you know i think as hunters we have to also realize that the thing that we love could disappear not from a wildlife perspective but from a legal ability to do so perspective so there are a lot of people out there who don't like hunting and, you know, unlike skiing or surfing or golfing or any of these other outdoor activities, no one's trying to like actively make it illegal to do that. Right. And that is, that is absolutely the case as you look at some States like Washington and New Jersey, et cetera, where people are actively trying to make it illegal to do this thing. So it's definitely probably a good idea to have a lot of people who have participated in it and who love it, who will vote for keeping it uh, legal and, and continuing it on. So there's that aspect that pretty much no other, you know, hobby or, or passion has to face, which is potentially making it illegal to do. Um, and I think that is something that can't be under, un, understated. And then, yes, as you mentioned, you know, land trust, you still have to be a fully legally licensed hunter to go and do any of these activities on any of these properties. And it's something you hear a lot of like, oh, this is bad for game management. Well, I mean, you still have to go get your tags. The state is still doing their job. This is completely inside the North American wildlife model for conservation. It's not like, you know, you get a magic button and you book something and you get to go do it outside of the, you know, licensing right. tag structure. It's not like you you're know? going to Disney World. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, but yes, that's, and you also uh... and you brought up one other thing there too, and this can't be understated more private land hunting is better for public land hunting because as you mentioned wildlife reacts to pressure and if all the pressure only goes from public to private guess where all the animals are going to be on yeah. private so if you can have a little bit of pressure and move animals around that's going to be good for hunting whether you're a diehard public land hunter who will never hunt private it'll be good for you because one there's one less guy or gal on public that day and two they're going to add a little bit of pressure uh, from private back to public. Yep, it's definitely a win, and, and and nine times out of ten, when when I hear negatives, it's the same with us. You know, I'm actually yet to hear anything. I know you guys had mentioned a few times some battles y'all were, um, you know, not facing. I wouldn't really call them battles, but small sure. fires that have been kindled up, and 
Um, sure. You know, I didn't see much negativity. I'm, I'm sure on a local aspect, but you know, when I always tell people, it's the same same down here. We're not a lot of bear hunting. It's it's literally it's a it's a PETA thing. I mean, they they say they have a conservation. Yeah reasoning but when you really dig into the facts of the history of it there was a, a time in history where things were just not presented in a good way and it just forever left a bad taste in people's mouths and um, at the end of the day people don't realize like it i guess maybe we take it for granted because we've been doing this for millennials but like eventually it's going to come to a point i think um you know where it, I mean, it already is in a lot of these states, like you mentioned, but where hunting will be illegal. And it's one of those things where once it's done, it's the same with developing. There's there's no going back. Yeah. Um, the, the damage is done and you've already lost that spot or area. There's been tons of spots lost because of this. Um, so it's nice to see somebody taking that proactive approach to, to get it. And I mean, it's a win-win from all fronts. I mean, I did some. I just got into waterfowl and duck hunting myself. I would much rather. I love public land. It's my favorite thing in the yes. world to do. I I yeah. love it. I will always love it more than private. But it was so nice to be able to book a trip with five people, rent a cabin not far away, and just know that we were going to be the only spots on a piece of property. You know, like yes, it's 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 just yep. a whole different vibe of hunting. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. No. But it, it's a it's a weird world we live in. And, and it's probably we're more sensitive to it here because Montana and the Rocky Mountain West is where most of the country's public land is, which is great. We're like trust fund kids here. Um, but I don't know why there has to be a public versus private. Like if you like one, you can't like the other. Yeah. I mean, it's just a weird <laughs> false dichotomy that has been created for some reason. Um, and just like, no, I like them both. They're both awesome. And, you know, I, I'll take I'll happily take trips on both. Right. Well, you know, I, I think with it, it's it's that that bow versus rifle argument. Yeah. It's it's always you always get someone's got to be extreme on one end, and you almost could have related to almost everything that's going on in the world. It's just always someone's got to be just so yeah. so much division. And I'm sitting here like guys, like we we have the exact same enemy. Like we don't, you know. Yeah, it it does suck. You know when certain things happen like maybe prices go up and, and things like that but they're one's not better than the other they offer their pros and they offer their cons um you know if if you don't get that feeling when you're hunting or fishing whether it's private or, or public and you don't get that same feeling when you pull the trigger or set that hook you know you're probably not the type of person you know maybe that sport's really not yeah. for you like well, you thought it was you know yeah i just what i it's hard for me because I don't ever want to put myself in a position to say that this is the holy anointed way to do something. And the other stuff is the unwashed, you know, and I, and I, we see it a lot like, Hey, I like to backcountry archery elk hunt. That's, I mean, that's awesome. But so is killing a whitetail out of a tree stand with a, with a rifle or a crossbow. Who cares? I don't care. I personally have liked every type of hunting and fishing that I've ever tried, whether it's, you know, catfishing with a Coors Light sitting in a lawn chair or fly fishing for, <laughs> you know, bonefish in the flats. Right. So I don't, I just, I really don't like drawing these like holy lines in the sand where it's like, Hey, this is how we like to do it. And so everything else isn't good. I like it all. And yeah. I don't, I want to make sure that, yeah, you're right. It's probably better for us to be a, a united front against people who want to see the way of life that we like to do, you know, the things we love be maybe illegal 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, and too, I mean, if you're if we really wanted to dive into to the economy of it too, I mean, you're you're actually helping things with with property taxes and such because now these businesses are able to to stay up these small companies that are in that town. Right. You know, I, I went to a spot and uh, we went to a bear camp and there's this restaurant where we go in, we drop a ton of money, we eat, we leave good tips, yep. you know, and and I'll have yep. such a good time. And I'm sitting here like, man, like. I guarantee you this isn't something happening every day in this area. Like, no. you know, it's, it's a really good point. Um, so, I mean, if you look at land trust, I don't know, we've had some press out recently, the state of North Dakota, um, we're, we're moving to the state of North Dakota and, and not our headquarters, but we're putting a corporate office there too. And we're growing into that state and land trust sort of looks like a rural economic development company because all of our landowners are rural by definition, right? They're farmers and ranchers, so they live in rural rural areas. And we facilitate not only people to be able to come out to their place and obviously book and, and put money in their pockets directly, but just like you said, guess what? People who are coming to these small towns to go out and hunt and fish, they're spending money in those towns, whether it's for gas or sporting goods or beer or you know, uh, you know, food and breakfast or whatever. That's rural economic development. And the North Dakota uh, State University did a study a while ago that said for every dollar that's spent on agritourism, which what we're talking about here, like doing outdoor stuff on farms and ranches is considered agritourism. For every dollar spent there, an equal dollar is spent in those rural communities. So you're absolutely right. A lot of these small town communities, um, this is a big, this is a big economic opportunity for them for those business owners, not only just for the farm and ranch, but for the, the business owners in those towns. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there's a lot of positive. We, we were sitting here talking about all these positives from it. And, and what it is, is it's, it's, it's something new, you know, it's something new. Yep. And um, I love that you guys were able to jump on the podcast and kind of, um, you know, show us a little education because there was a lot of things I learned about it um, that I didn't know. Um, but I guess I, I do have another question here. Um, so, how kind of has I mean we 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 kind of touched on this actually so yeah. we probably won't go into that but I was wondering how the journey kind of um how it's been introducing this I know you had mentioned sure. overcoming some of those obstacles but if you wouldn't mind um you know from where you started to where you are now um how kind of what how has that journey been Sure I mean look you built a business uh it's it's a lot of work. Everything comes down to execution. Um, so idea, like the, I can't tell you how many people, probably 30 to 50 people over the last three, three and a half years, almost four years since I started this business. I said, Oh my gosh, I had that idea. And it's like, okay, well, what'd you do with it? And you know, they didn't do anything with it. And I know you and I were chatting about this beforehand, but you know, a lot of folks will say something like that to you too. And it's look ideas are not really worth anything. Um, and this isn't my idea. There's been plenty of people who've had it and have tried to do something with it before. It all comes down to just you know, basically burning the ships, committing yourself to it and executing against it. For and sure. so, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a really great team who's, who's helped me, you know, helped me get this company to where it is today. Um, you know, there's good fortune, there's market timing, there's all sorts of intangibles that, you know, I don't pretend to control that have helped us get to where we are. And, you know, it's very, it's very difficult to start a marketplace. Like 
the dynamics of starting a two-sided marketplace, you basically have to build two businesses in parallel at the same time. You have to build your supply side and your demand side. So the landowner side is much harder to build and it always will be. And, you know, especially focusing on farm and ranch, this is a, a landowner type that um, is very busy, is very cynical because they've been sold a lot of uh, stuff that is garbage in the past, basically. So, and they're, you know, they're hard to, they're hard to reach, but once you build trust with them, they're a phenomenal partner, right? So they, they're, they're, they're hard, they're hard to win over, which I can appreciate, but when you do, and as long as you hold up your end of the bargain, these are people who, you know, a handshake means something. And, you know, once you start to build that good reputation and you prove yourself to this community, they're just, they're the best. And they bring you to their friends and neighbors and business partners and, I just, I'm really passionate about our land and our community. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a grind, man, to, to get to where we are today. Well, I mean, it's, it's looking good, man. I, I know I'm super excited. I'm going to try a couple of things, especially since I'm getting into uh, different forms of hunting that I didn't grow up doing. Um, yeah. So you guys are kind of opening the door for that. And, you know, one thing you had mentioned with, with these relationships, I mean, there's really not a lot of the times where something easy is 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 worth it you know uh, you know like anything we were talking about that turkey i killed i literally just wanted to get up and go home i just was like you know what i'm just i'm so tired it's wet the bugs wouldn't stop biting i'm just ready and then and then you end up getting that success and it made it all worth it i didn't remember the bug bites i didn't remember being wet anymore i didn't remember any of that stuff and um you know, when when you get your foot in the door with these people, um, it's it's literally, I mean, it's Pandora's box. It's you know, especially when you're actually when I say this too, it's it's not taking advantage of people. It's taking advantage of people in the right way, meaning you're using your networking and, and you're reaching out and you're you're taking care of them. Um, that goes a long way, especially with landowners, because yes. we can class. I mean, nine times out of ten, your big landowners are that certain type of person where the handshake means something. Um, a lot of the times, you're not coming across the you know, any other type of person than, you know, a quote unquote, good old boy or good old gal. Um, and yeah. they've had that family and they've been working land and they've, they've earned almost everything they have, um, if not more. Right. So it's a different right. type of clientele and that's why they're harder to get. But when you're in, you're in, I mean, until you that's screw right. them over, you'll never, you know, their kids will take care of you, you know? Well, that, yeah. And that's, it's funny, you know, we've raised money from, you know, venture capital investors and, one of the questions you usually get in those kind of meetings is, well, you know, how does this business fail if it fails? And my answer is very simple. If we break trust with our landowners, right. so we can, we, if, as long as we never do that, we, we, you know, we'll continue to build a really strong business. And like I said, our landowners are our business partners. They're not customers. They don't buy anything from us, you know? So everything we do is in the best interest of, uh, you know, the, the landowners and making sure that they have a trustworthy experience that they enjoy it and that enables them to keep allowing people to come out on their property it also places the incentives in the right place you know uh, hey now that you have this new income stream from land trust you're probably going to want to make sure it's there next year and the year after and the year after and how do you do that when it comes to hunting is you don't overhunt stuff right you say hey cool we're, we see landowners all the time turn down booking requests because they're saying hey look we already booked a few turkey hunts. We're gonna, you know, hold off till next year. Um, or we had a drought and we want to let the deer population kind of recover, the upland bird population recover, just because it's been a drought. And so, you know, 
it really places the incentives in the right place. And remember that these landowners, I mean, they're ag they're agricultural folks, so they understand these dynamics, what the land can and can't you know uh, support in these populations. So there's a lot there and hopefully I can help dispel some of the misunderstandings um, that have come up when, you know, in the Facebook forums or comments or whatnot. Now I, I want to, I do have one more question here. We, we are coming sure. on about an hour. Um, so this was definitely a great intro episode and we definitely want to have you back on We're, we actually, after we do these I intro really episodes, it. we, um, we uh, reach out to the team and we kind of ask like, Hey, like, you know, is there anything you you really would like uh you know nick to jump back on here and, and deep dive into but my question kind of goes with that i guess that quality control um with what you're able sure. to share I, I know we had talked and you're like there ain't no secrets here um but i always uh, still tread lightly with things just because sure. it's just yeah, just of part of the business i'm in and uh so how do you kind of maintain these relationships? I mean, do you guys just have, you know, constant communication? Do you send people out there? You know, let's say a group of hunters come out there. Do you check in immediately after? How do you keep that quality control? Um, I know you did mention about the farmers letting you know how the game is, but as far as, I guess, from mm -hmm. the customer standpoint. Yep. Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, and, yeah, we don't have – there's no secret sauce. Uh, this is – it's just a lot of hard work and execution and relationship management building. So, uh, from a from a sportsman side, so we visit most in the states that we you know quote have launched, which is where we have we we hire people from the communities, what we call landowner success managers. So their job title is pretty clear. Their job is to make those landowners successful on land trust platform because we don't make money unless they do. So these folks are going to go take uh, photos of the, you know, the property. They're going to write notes on it. You have big property descriptions and, you know, package descriptions that you can read. Um, so it'll, it should give you some insight there. You can now inquire with the landowners and talk to them and ask any other questions that may not have been answered just from their listing or you know, their profiles. Okay. Um, but, you know, LSMs have landowner success managers have been out to a lot of these properties themselves. Um, and what we encourage our landowners to do is just be honest about what the offering is. Hey, you might have a 20,000 acre ranch with 400 inch, you know, bull elk on it. That's awesome. But you might have 40 acres with some whitetails or some turkeys. That's awesome too. But it's just about representing the offering correctly and making sure that, you know, expectations are set correctly. Um, so, you know, that all helps. Um, <laughs> excuse me, sorry getting over top here oh you're we good, also huh? have a really strong customer support uh team so we we believe in in customer service it's not like a you know a little uh help blog or something like that we talk to both our landowners and and the guests who use the platform all day every day so you can call us you can text us real live human beings here in bozeman we'll talk to you and help you figure out whatever you need um they'll help you find places they'll help you you know, work through the platform and answer any technology questions, anything like that. We also put game cameras out on almost all of our properties. So, you know, we should have game cams that are kind of recording things and we put those pictures up on the listing. So we want to give you as much as you, as much information as you can to feel comfortable as a sportsman making a booking. And again, you do get to talk to the landowner before you actually book. So um, everything starts as a booking request or an inquiry. 
and you and the landowner can converse with each other and then the landowner has to accept that uh, booking request so before okay. you ever get that yeah so you know you get to talk to the landowners it's like virtual door knocking right um, right and and who knows who knows what's going on on that property better than somebody who's lived and worked it their entire life oh um, for sure i mean that's <laughs> i literally if i want to know anything about the properties i immediately start with yes. hey man what you've been seeing going on around oh man there's 30 turkeys in the field yesterday <laughs> yep so i mean again because these are in most of our million plus acres is owner operator you know farmers and ranchers who've lived and worked there their whole lives they know that property and what's going on in it better than anybody on the planet and so you know a combination of you know photos of the property descriptions game cam stuff and then being able to chat with the landowners like you have a pretty good idea and then once you actually uh make a booking request to go book a, a trip on one of those properties after the landowner accepts it we send you over all the onyx maps and huntwise uh, maps of the property with you know property boundaries and waypoints and you know all that stuff marked out so you can kind of do some e-scout you know before you actually go so we send all that after the booking has been accepted just for privacy purposes and whatnot for the landowner so you get all the full digital mapping aspects sent to you after with arrival instructions and any other notes from the landowner I like that. It, you know, it, it almost seems like to me it becomes you, you're almost like, and, and my verbiage isn't going to be exact on this, but it's almost like you're almost like not forcing. That's more of a negative word, I think. But it's you're you're really pushing people to create those relationships to see if it works before they go on the date with each other. You know, they you're you're hundred percent absolutely trying to get them to know each other because we we do that with our hunt link here. We encourage like, hey. Don't don't make it transactional. Transactional work sometimes, and and sometimes nothing happens, and everything's peachy keen. But you, not, a lot of times, when it's just transactional, it, it doesn't create a, a strong bond, and it leaves too much room for the unknown, in my opinion. And um, whether you're going for the good experience or not, you still don't want it to be a hundred percent unknown. You still want to have a plan of action, um, you know, and. Uh, I, I definitely yeah, like that you're able to right. do it. It keeps it exclusive, it seems like, too, instead of just like, well, I've got money. I'm just going to go to this place and, and hunt this field out and just keep hitting this area. Like, you're actually – the farmer's going to get to – or landowner is going to get to know you first. Yep. Yeah, and it's – and again, it's all about them ma maintaining control over their property and who has access to it. And so they feel people out. It's not about, you know, who has the most money. It's about – you know, who finds value in that opportunity and the landowner is saying, you know what, you see, like, just like it will with the door knocker, right? Like they're going to talk to you, they're going to fill you out and they're going to say yes or no. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of the other stuff that we have built into the platform helps them feel much, much more comfortable with this. And we absolutely have landowners who declined, you know, booking requests for whatever reasons. Uh, maybe they chatted with them and they just didn't, you know, the expectations weren't right. And yes, we are highly incentivized to make sure that there is this vetting that happens before someone ever shows up at a property, because the worst thing that could happen is, you know, someone shows up and the expectations are wrong or they're, you know, they're not going to treat that opportunity with respect. And the lander is like, you know, what, this isn't for us. So thankfully, you know, we haven't had any of that happen. And we've had, like I said, about 99% five-star ratings and the one, one or two that weren't five or four because there was a miscommunication or, you know, whatever but it wasn't anything you know disastrous by any means it was just uh you know maybe some communication style or something right no i mean you you, you have to do that um you know especially yes. with this type of of uh 
you know, what you have going on here. It's, it's, uh, this space. I mean, we, we've ran into it over the decade. We've done it. You know, you, you, you don't want, you can't control every single aspect, but those are things you can control. And when you, when you do do that, it, you're just, your success rate of them having a good experience is just so much better. And, um, yeah, you both know, it, it is yeah. their land. I feel like a lot of these landowners probably like it because they, they do get that voice. They do get that say. It's not like a, well, now it's our land for the time being or we're renting it or leasing it or whatever. That's right. Yeah. And what we've found is that landowners have really enjoyed sharing their land with people who really appreciate it. So some landowners who have been burned in the past and, you know, for whatever reasons had bad experiences but now with land trust you'll read in the reviews um how much they really enjoy sharing their land with people who truly you know look at it through new eyes and who appreciate it they get a lot of enjoyment out of that too like yes it's great that they can make some income and that they're protected you know having people out on their place um but the intangible of hey they've lived and worked there their whole lives and by definition it's kind of every day to them but when someone comes out and like, oh my gosh, this place is beautiful and, you know, they get to learn about it and they get to share that, it really is one of those intangible things that they love doing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to experience it myself. I mean, I've done similar things, more so things through the grapevine. Um, and it's nice sure. to be able to, to kind of see the layout because I actually have a couple buddies that we're going to plan a, a trip next year. Um, we want to go out west for some, for some upland and we were looking at... Nice. Uh, different spots actually and, and i have another buddy we want to do a, a turkey hunt he's got one more for his grand slam so we we're like hey you know what let's awesome. he wants to try it and i was like you know let's let's give it a shot those are great chances to to see what it's about um so i love the idea man i can't wait to see how much you guys grow and um i love that it's a win-win I, i've literally i've always loved to play devil's advocate and i almost like i just love the challenge of it and i've been racking my brain before this podcast over the weekend because i'm like let me find some negatives or, or some kind of you know stitch to pull at here and i mean sure. as long as you work on that continue the quality control which it sounds like you have i mean amazing job with it as far as making it relationship based and not transactional i mean when you do that your your success rate is just so much better but um, i'm just not seeing many negatives with this i see a win for the far uh the landowners i see a win for your company um, a win for the people that are doing it um you know money's flowing through the economy um you know places that maybe haven't been been turning revenue or turning revenue um you know you guys have a uh from what I at least see, I think the booking fee is very fair. And, um, you know, I love that the landowners get the fee. Um, I think that's great. Um, you know, we have a similar process here with our fee, you know, it keeps things very clear. It keeps the water from being muddy. And, um, you know, I didn't even know about the, the, um, the scouting, not the scouting, but the pretty much the e-scouting setup you guys do too. So I mean, you have all angles here covered, um, and, uh, it seems to be working out really well. I've, everyone I've talked to that it's actually utilized it already is nothing but good things to say. So, and I mean, a lot well, of yeah, these I prices that. seem fair too. You know, I, I'm looking at the site now and I mean, these are very, I know places <laughs> charged way more. Like there's this one spot, not too far from me. The guy charges $2,500 for you to come hunt in his field. Um, and he doesn't give you no e-scout pins or <laughs> tell you where the water is or any of that. He just says, here's, give me this money. No one will be here for the next four days. It's yours, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and, and it is. I think that's a, a common misconception. This is all, you know, super expensive for the rich. It's like, no, not at all. No. Now, again, it, just like, a, I don't know if you've ever used Airbnb, but they, they you can book anything from a castle to, you know, a, you know, a single bed and a bedroom. So, you know, our platform will have the gamut too. So, right. you know, there are places that have, you know, incredible hunting opportunities that, yeah, there's going to be a certain price for that. And then you can go, shoot prairie dogs for 15 bucks a day or something like that, or go fish a farm pond for 15 to 20 bucks. So it's going to have the, the, the wide range, but this is all built for the do it yourself. Um, so yeah, you're going to come in from a pricing perspective, much cheaper than, you know, tra obviously traditional annual leases, but also probably outfitting and guides too. And again, we're not anti outfitting and guides. We think that they're for a specific purpose. Like if you need to go kill a 200 inch deer and that's what you're going to be happy with, then you should probably call those guys. Right. You know? Yeah. The people that are, they're doing it more regularly and do it for a living. I mean, if I, if I need, uh, you know, help with, with trying to get, uh, you know, something with a property, I'm going to talk to you before I talk to, you know, someone in my realm, just because, you know, the way, the way you're versed in it, you've been doing this for a little bit now, but, um, so, Nick, that's all the questions that I have for today. Um, where can people find you? Where can they get more information sure. on you or kind of just do their due diligence? Yep, of course. So, of course, our website is probably the best place. It's where you see the entire product and all the property and everything. So that's just landtrust.com, L-A-N-D-T-R-U-S-T.com. Um, you will see, so you can just go there, search by state or activity, um, and then just start browsing all the listings again for your uh, audience who have used other marketplaces like Airbnb, VRBO, et cetera. It'll feel very familiar. You can look at listings and photos and all that kind of stuff. So you can go there. Um, we also have phone number. If you go to the contact page, um, it's uh, 406-709-8450. So you can call us or text us whenever. Um, and our team will be happy to talk to you, help you anything you need. Uh, social media. Um, what is our Instagram? Our Instagram is landtrust underscore hunt. So you can follow us there and, you know, we'll keep you up to, up to speed on what's going on with us. So those are the main places that you can connect with us and, uh, you know, keep in contact with us. And I'll update all those on the show notes too. So if you guys are listening, sure. you don't have to bust out the pencil yet. I'll, I'll make sure we got it so you can copy and paste. But, um, you know, I, I love it, man. I, I love the idea. I really appreciate you jumping on. I, I figured this episode, I was really excited about it just to learn more than what I had seen on the website or, the, you know, the conversations we've all had here and there. You know, I really wanted to get the history on it. And, um, you know, it matches up with, with what you guys are displaying and, and what you're going for, which in my opinion, that's that's huge. And, um, I mean, someone that's creating things on a relationship base, it's just, it's just a different level. It's a different level of quality. Um, you know, it's not something that, that you're going to get, I think, you know, the relationships you have are the ones that are going to be the most worth it. And, and that word of mouth and, you know, farmer John might be like, Hey, I've got my cousin that owns land that also has turkeys mm -hmm. or, or waterfowl. So it's, it's definitely opened a lot of doors for people and you're strengthening that bond. Um, a bond that was broken for some reason, we were y'all yet to know why, but a bond that was broken so many years ago. Cause when I was growing up, we used to have the stigma of, you know, public land was where like, you know, poor people went or where if you didn't have yeah. money, that's where you went or, or whatever. Yeah. And then it just evolved to like, 
you know what what people assume it is today it, it always goes to a crazy evolution the hunting the hunting world but uh um, well it's a passion it's a passion uh that people have and whenever passion is involved it can it can get a little fiery too so <laughs> uh, can, yeah yeah no well, I, I just i really appreciate you having me on and allowing me to you know speak to you and the folks who follow you and i, I hope that they will uh, give us a look and maybe uh, you know keep an open mind and find some opportunity and make some yeah new relationships with with landowners and have really good experiences. Well, we're super excited to see where it goes and and super excited to see how you guys do this year. We got a hunting season coming up, um, so I I was looking on the site and you guys have a lot of opportunities still open there. So. Um, you if, know, you're, if you're searching for your turkey grand slam, we're a pretty good way to do it. We have guys uh, who use the platform who are booking like three, four, or five hunts in different states and chasing that grand slam. Like we have a, a page dedicated that's breaking out all of our turkey properties by species. So, oh, uh, nice. Justin, if you follow up, I'll make sure you get that link. Yeah, so no, for sure. See it all broken out by species. Uh, we do, as I was saying to you before, we do have a couple Osceola properties that are almost live. So I, I, that's obviously a tough one to get. So as soon as we get those up, like I said, follow us on social and create a free account with Land Trust. While you, when you create your account as a sportsman, you tell us like, hey, what's your, where do you live? Like from a home state perspective, what states are you interested in? What species are you interested in? And then if you tell us that stuff, we'll then you know, let you know via email or text or whatever when new properties come up that match kind of what you're looking for. So do be sure to create a free account and that way we can kind of keep you up to speed on when new properties like hey we have a couple of osceola properties coming up that would be very interesting to a lot of turkey hunters oh for sure i mean it it definitely it's one of those things where now they can focus on hunting and killing the animal and not logistics <laughs> you know <laughs> yes, it definitely yeah, yeah. takes a huge anyone that's chased their grand slam already knows the logistics is probably the most excruciating part of it you know Yes. So. Yes. We will make it. Uh, I mean, our tagline is the best way to hunt private land because we make it really, really simple. So, um, yeah, you create a free account on land trust and that way we can let you know when these things come on, when new properties come on that are interesting to you. Yeah. And we're definitely, we're going to add this stuff to the show notes for sure. But Nick, that was all that I had for this episode. Did you have anything else that you wanted to touch on? I think we covered a lot of it. I really, uh, again, I'm very appreciative, uh, Justin, for having us on. And, uh, you know, I, I hope to connect with a lot of your membership over the coming years. Yeah, for sure. And we're, we're actually going to be putting a lot of stuff out this week, um, you know, to, to really see, you know, we've already put some feelers out and talked to people in it, and we're getting a ton of positive feedback. Um, you know, we, we do have a, a different type of, of hunter um, in our club, I would say, just because it's exclusive. So I definitely think it, it caters to them and everyone loves it. I mean, I had Travis down and we were literally sitting in the woods talking about a Grand Slam next year and he was sitting here looking at, pro I looked over and he was looking at properties and he's like oh man we should go here to nebraska and you know it's oh, only yeah. it, it's like 200 bucks a piece and and i'm like whoa yeah. really and i'm like looking at it and i'm like we could totally make like a two-day trip and do that and 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 bop around and be able to hit two states and like four you know a four-day weekend kind yeah. of thing so do a loop yeah do yeah. a loop well, so it's well a... i'm excited about it justin and again we i think we will be putting out a kind of an exclusive promo code for the membership if i if i understand correctly so uh, you guys can share that however you, uh, you know, you guys do that. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, we'll have it. We'll have it on our website for for the members that are listening here at Service Side. Um, we will have that at serviceside.com. Um, also, we will have posts out on our socials. Um, we do have. We've mentioned land trust in our uh, newsletter this month. So, um, for y'all wanting more information, I will have everything in the show notes. Um, so you'll be able to easily access those links. Um, but Nick, thanks again, and uh, we'll Thank definitely you. talk to you on the next one, my friend. Appreciate it. All right. You guys are listening to Hunt Link by Serviceside.